better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. We are your hosts here on this Monday episode of the show. The preseason is over. We had real college football games. Kyle, happy Monday to you. Happy Monday. Uh, Bills won 19-0 on Saturday, correct? Big shutout win over the Packers. Victory Monday for Joe and Kyle. Chris, what did the Jets do this weekend? Uh, They tied 31-31 to on a Hail Mary. You know what? I'm counting because the Hail Mary should count for more points, in which case this is a unanimous sweep draft dudes victory Monday preseason edition. Life is good. Your both of your teams didn't lose because of a Hail Mary over the weekend. That's right. crazy. And yes. the two point conversion. Unreal. Yeah. Eight point Unreal. swings in the final yeah. 90 seconds of both games. You love to see it. You really do. If you're going to watch preseason football to the end, you might as well get a fun finish, right? All right. So I guess let's probably not talk about preseason football. <laughs> well, we could, but we we have some individual player-specific stuff to get into a little later in the show. We want to start with college football. I mean, there was meaningful games that were played from a college, yeah. like playing for keeps perspective. UCLA uh, walloped Hawaii. Yes. Uh, what was it? Forty-four to ten, I think, was the final. Yeah, I know that don't, it, don't quote it equaled me on that, 54 but. points, which wasn't 67. Yep. And that that's, that's what I cared about. Yep. That's all yep. it needed to be. Bet the under, folks. And 67 is a lot of points to begin with. But obviously the big story for UCLA was the rushing attack. Two transfers. Zach, uh, I don't know how to say his last name. Carbonet, Charbonnet? Charbonnet, yep. Charbonnet. From okay. University of Michigan. And Britton Brown. Grounds. Britton Brown from Duke, man. I watched Britton Brown at Duke for years. I thought he was done playing football. All of a sudden, he's on the Bruins. What did Kelly bring, bringing guys back from the brink at, at the running back position <laughs> with this spread offense? I'll tell you what, Zach Charbonnet was a man possessed against Hawaii. And I get it's Hawaii, right? So, like, if we're going to not be totally irrational or anything, but Joe, I've been texting you over the course of. Uh, the last couple of days watching like day three running back prospects. I watched. Yeah. What's that that been about? I'm looking for running backs and Miami (laughs) doesn't draft them in the top 100. So I got to find some fifth round guy that I'm going to fall in love with. Kyle staying up late at night, watching day three running backs and end of August. I'm like, what the hell is going on here, man? (laughs) End of August. Hey, by the way, Chris Evans, another Michigan guy caught a 40 yard touchdown against Miami for the, for the Bengals. Yes. They look great. Sixth round pick, so that you can find him. That's that whole positional value thing, whatever. But uh, Charvada, he was explosive. He ran physical. He big boyed these guys. Now, obviously, I want to see what he looks like against Utah and USC, right? Like, and and I don't have UCLA schedule in front of me. So if if they LSU don't, play either, how about LSU next weekend? How okay, about LSU next great. weekend? <laughs> yeah, I want to see him meet Mike Jones Jr. in the hole and see what happens, right? But if he starts running through those things then this guy could cook with gas. And it's just the next example of like player development is such a huge issue at the University of Michigan. And if these guys get away and they start going to other places and they start thriving, man, Charbonnet would be a, a hard one to a hard pill to swallow because he has all the physical tools and he showed some of those against Hawaii that, you know, I think he had was it six carries or nine carries yeah, for a hundred and something yards and yeah. three touchdowns. Like he, 
he was on one on Saturday. It was a great kind of declaration performance from him specifically to get his feet under him at UCLA. Best player on the field by far, both sides of the ball for both teams. Like he was clearly the best player on the field. Yeah, and you could, you no just, question. You saw it. You just saw it like every time he touched the ball. Oh, that's the best player on the field today. Got it. The other big college football game was in the Big Ten, Nebraska and Illinois. And obviously, Brett Bielma's debut with Illinois, they got back to running the football. I think the bigger story is that Nebraska just continues to struggle under Scott Frost. And Adrian Martinez hasn't had development. Like two years ago, this was a Heisman candidate. Now we're wondering if he's going to finish the season as the starter. I can't help but think that maybe they should have kept Bo Pelini. Right. Dude, I keep I keep going back to it, man. Like Bo Pelini was their head coach from 2008 this is to the, 2000. This is the Jim Caldwell of the Detroit Lions oh. situation, which Paige managed to find a way to bring up over the weekend. Bless her. Talking about head coaches there and, and Matt Patricia. So you're absolutely right. Go ahead. Finish. Go ahead and finish the Bo Pelini success at Nebraska. Well, yeah, I mean, for 2008 to 2014, they won no less than nine games. I mean, and they nine had was the floor was the floor. They had they the had floor. three nine win seasons and four ten win seasons. They say, get out of here. That's not good enough in Nebraska. Boy, I wish they I mean, they'd be killing for a 10 win season right now, right? Yes. No, unreal. No question. And, and it's the way they're losing games, too. You know, it's it's the mm-hmm. poor composure, sloppy play, penalties. I'm going to willy maze it on my own two on the punt return and run back into my own end zone <laughs> and then throw the ball out of bounds while I'm in the end zone with an illegal forward. Pe- it's like, what are we doing? Like, how are you this overwhelmed? The, the, uh, the fumble that they had just before, was it just before or just after the half? It was just before the half, the fumble return, that Taylor Martinez, he takes a sack and fumbled, and Illinois runs it back for a touchdown to close the half. It's just the st- stop shooting yourself in the foot every other possession. And that's what they did over and over and over, and then they dug themselves this massive hole, and then Taylor Martinez starts breaking out his athleticism and runs for a 75-yard touchdown run, and, oh, yeah, he's a great athlete, but it's like, great, you're down 15 still because you just can't get out of your own way. Yeah, I, I, yeah. We'll see what happens with Nebraska. Maybe, uh, maybe Zach Taylor will be their head coach next year. I don't know. What's it, up, Shub? It's not like Illinois. Illinois was on their backup quarterback, right? Brandon mm-hmm. Peters leaves the game with an injury, and I watched most of the game. I, there were some dollars on it, so I was paying close attention to this football game. It's not like Illinois was being super creative on offense. No. They were running like the same five plays, and they were just yeah. running the ball. They were running the ball some more, and Nebraska didn't have an answer for it. And Kyle, you <laughs> mentioned all of that lack of composure. Th- there's only one place that that comes from. It is it is a it's coaching malpractice. From the top. It is from the top. Scott Frost does not have this team prepared in order to play. It's, it was just abysmal watching them play on Saturday. Abysmal. And, 48 rushing attempts for Illinois. 19 oh, passes. I want to double down on that because when they brought Sikowski in the game, 
they literally ran the ball nine straight times. Like they, I remember because they were on the broadcast and it was like, okay, Bielema's talking to Sikowski and he's probably telling him something. Hey, you're here for a reason. We're not going to change the game plan and we're going to do what we're going to do. And then they literally came out, ran the ball like 10 straight times. <laughs> they came out of huh? the second half and they went on like a seven, eight minute drive that ended in a touchdown. I think the only pass they threw on that drive was the touchdown pass. I'm I, I'd have to go back and look at the, the the drive log, but I'm pretty sure the only pass on that drive was the touchdown pass. It was that unbelievable. Was, that was the biggest takeaway I had. Was this was my daughter's first career Big Ten conference mm. game of her life? Right, she was born in December 10th last year. So I sent the tweet. I said Nebraska Illinois. This was midway through the first quarter when the dumpster was just a flame and they didn't pour the gasoline on it yet. <laughs> Nebraska, Illinois is my daughter's first career big 10 conference game. And I wouldn't change this first quarter for anything as far as properly aligning her expectations <laughs> for living in big 10 country. It was like three or f four, three and outs and six possessions. And the other two, you got uh, one first down a piece. Uh, the highlights were the safety on the punt return and another coffin corner punt from uh, from Illinois, you couldn't complete a forward pass to say, I've been like, this is this is peak mid-level Big Ten play, and we got it in week zero. I love it. I could not look away. Well, what this week it's what Iowa and Indiana, uh, Wisconsin Penn and Penn State, State. Wisconsin. Yep. Now uh, Ohio State, Minnesota. So uh, you know, Miss Madeline, we'll see, uh, we'll see if the next Big oh, Ten Michigan games. State Northwestern. That that there's going to be yeah. some stuff that goes down in that oh, game. That that'll no. be vintage Big Ten for sure. No, no hard pass. North One is better banking for small business owners because serving small business owners is all they do. North One allows you to manage your money from anywhere, whether you're at home or on the go. Everything you need to manage your business finances is right at your fingertips. You can never step foot in a bank branch again. In addition to the features you'd expect, like mobile check deposit, cash withdrawals, the ability to send and receive ACH and wire payments. North One is an FDIC-insured account that can save you both time and money. North One integrates with accounting software that you already use, saving you hours of manual house bookkeeping. And with North One's envelope feature, you can automatically budget and save for things like rent, payroll, taxes, and more. With North One, you'll never pay overdraft or NSF fees again, saving you hundreds of dollars per month. To get started, visit apply.northone.com slash locked. That's apply.northone.com slash locked. North One, business banking made for America. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor contest open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. And be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo where you can make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up using promo code NFL100. 
Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Guys, I think the biggest story for the NFL out of the weekend was J.K. Dobbins went down with a significant injury. Season-ending ACL tear. Shuby is looking at me like I'm crazy for saying that was the biggest story coming out of the NFL this weekend. Thought maybe you'd lead with Shaq Lawson. You know, my team makes. Oh my! And I thought maybe you know rotational defensive lineman, guy that people were expecting to be a star running back this year. So I was thinking about this, and obviously I want to keep keep the focus on J.K. Dobbins. But when you think about Cam Akers, uh, one of the really outstanding young running backs from that 2020 class, now J.K. Dobbins, both these guys are out for the year, and so disappointing to see that. Expectations were high for Dobbins. They were high for Akers. But when you think about this Ravens team and having Gus Edwards and having Justice Hill, does this change our expectations? Because I think all of us here think of the Ravens as probably the favorite in the North and a team that we expect to contend in the AFC. Yeah. um, I think Lamar's always going to be the straw that stirs the drink, right? In the running game and uh, the it's the speed in the backfield and the fact that you have speed, you you wish you had guys that you probably had as much confidence running between the tackles as what you have with Dobbins, right? Like I think about Gus Edwards and I think about justice Hill and I don't have that same level of enthusiasm of them being a do it all back with explosiveness and ability to run between the tackles with consistency. And that's fine. But uh, it it just means you're going to get more of of a platoon. Baltimore may end up finding themselves in the mix, potentially looking as we got cuts this week. You know, there's going to be guys that are on the waiver wire and availably claimed or potentially swinging a uh, a late trade with with a late pick. They've already been wheeling and dealing. They dealt Sean Wade to the Patriots, uh, and then they they dealt uh, Greg Mance, the uh, backup offensive lineman, to the Dolphins in a span of 24 hours. Uh, this all this past weekend already. So they've been churning the bottom of the roster. It might be worth their consideration to try and now that you got a couple late day three picks, go find somebody to bring back in the other way, right? And, and just get another experienced body there. So I think there's ways that Baltimore can absorb this. But Joe, to answer your question, as far as the legitimacy of Baltimore, you still got the line. You still have the personnel conflicts with them going in heavy sets. And you still have Lamar as the guy who's who's running point on the running game wonder if Mark Ingram is an option for them. You know, obviously he had a run there for a while. He's on Houston that has Philip Lindsay and David Johnson. And, you know, they're sending off some players as well here of late. So, you know, is, is that a, a bridge that still exists? Because if so, I'd certainly be interested in that if I were Baltimore. But obviously I think this probably f- falls a lot on Gus Edwards to, to carry a lot of that yeah. load. But I think they probably want another back. I think they would like another physical guy, probably if if they could have their cake and eat it too. Uh, another platoon guy for for more power in that backfield, I think, is something they would would like. But you feel for him because, like, it it came out and it was like he's got ACL. They are also afraid of LCL, mm-hmm. so they're going to be looking, you know, at him over the next couple of days. And like, this may end up being an even more severe issue than just a straightforward ACL tear, which you, you hate for anybody. Right. Um, 
but I love Dobbins coming out. So he's got, I got a little soft spot for JK Dobbins as a, as a, as a player in the NFL. Uh, and I wish him nothing but the best on a speedy recovery. And uh, hopefully we get to see him sooner rather than later. So let's talk a little Sha- Shaq Lawson. And this is a player that we, we all, we're all now very familiar with original first round pick by the bills, uh, plays out his rookie contract, signs three years, 30 million with the dolphins, Last one season, they ship him to Houston for Barnardrick McKinney, and he lasts a few months with with Houston, and he's now traded to the New York Jets um, for a late round draft pick. And you know, can we appreciate this from the the Houston Texans side of things too? Okay, yeah. So they bid farewell to both Barnardrick McKinney and Shaq Lawson, and got a six. Oh boy, that's all they have to show for that, huh? <laughs> yeah, when you put it like that, Kyle. Geez, I thought you were going to say something good. That's why I stopped in my tracks. I'm like, I don't even think I'm going to finish the point here about the Jets obviously needing a pass rusher with Carl Lawson going down. When you bring it back like that, man, wow, that's bad. Yeah. So, so here's the thing about Shaq, and maybe Kyle, you feel the same way because you got to see him play for a year. He's a good player to have on your team, right? Like he's a good player. He's a good run defender. He plays mm-hmm. hard. Yes. He's just not a difference maker. And if you're going to pay a guy double digits, right, per million, $10 million a season, I think you're looking for a bit more of an impact. And he's kind of like in no man's land when it comes to valuation for a contract. Like what do you pay a really good run defender that can play 30% of your snaps can rush some interior gaps from time to time, a good contained player. Like there are redeeming qualities here, but he's not an impact guy. So to me, he's kind of in that really weird range when it comes to what you actually pay a player like that on a per season basis. Right. Yeah. And, and there's no question he, you know, he got the three for 30 uh, from the dolphins and then obviously gets traded uh, to Houston. Houston's going to be on the hook for almost $2 million in dead cap uh, for him not playing a snap. Um, so I think Houston, they got some young guys. They probably want to get reps and that's fine. But then it's like, okay, like what else could you possibly gotten from McKinney on the other side of the coin? If you were going to move on from him and that ended up being a big salary dump, uh, cause Miami cut two years and like $20 million off his contract in the process. So that for me is the big thing is like, you're absolutely right on Shaq. Like if you want a guy who can play, 55% of your snaps, play on first and second down, set the edge, run, turn runs back inside, win his gap, keep outside contain, be somebody who can create a little bit of push off the edge. He's not going to be really dynamic or win consistently with sacks. He's probably going to be a four to six sack guy in any given year if he plays yeah. all 17 games. Like There's a value for that kind of guy, 100%. Um, but I don't think he's going to be able to provide the kind of remedy that I think the Jets are hoping with the loss of Carl Lawson. And I think I guess the other question I have is we're looking at this from the Jets' perspective, and is this like what does this message? What is the messaging of this trade suggest? The Jets' thought process is as far as where they're at as a team. Well, I. I mean, they're year one under this new coach, and I don't think that they're interested in just tanking and, and and bottoming out for a high draft pick. They've they've been picking high in the draft. They got their quarterback right, so like I think they want to win games. And 
with Carl Lawson not being available, they were pretty thin at edge. And I guess I'm excited about this from a Shaq Lawson perspective because this is going to be a great chance for him. There's, It's not a crowded situation. It's the right scheme for him. And he's got obviously great coaching there with Robert Sala, good interior players in, in Quinn and Williams and Sheldon Rankins. And so this is his chance to really eat, if you will, right? He's going to play a lot of snaps for this defense. And, you know, maybe this is kind of like, um, uh, you know, 49ers had Ronald Blair for a little bit uh, mm-hmm. when, you know, he was injured and stuff. But you think about that type of player for Robert Sala and, and Lawson maybe being able to do some of those things. I, I think that's probably a, a good parallel to draw. But I'm excited about this for Shaq Lawson because he's really going to get a chance to play and get some meaningful snaps and get after the quarterback. Yeah, no question. And then this might be his best opportunity to, or last opportunity, perhaps, to prove that he can be more than that first and second 55% of snaps type of guy that, that we just described him as. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a very simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more about DirecTV Stream at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Do you know that there are so many great flavors of Bilt Bar? They have coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, cookies and cream, orange, strawberry, and salted caramel. And maybe you're overwhelmed. They all sound good, but you don't know which ones are the ones that you're going to like the best. You can try a mixed box. That's where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. You can try them all and figure out which ones are your favorite. And not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bars on the planet, they're healthy too. Check out these macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories range from 130 to 180 only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. Flavors are amazing. They're all tasty, and they're all healthy. We have a deal for you. Go to BuiltBars.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBars.com. There's another trade that happened in the NFL that I'd love to talk about, and that's Gardner Minshew to the Philadelphia Eagles for a uh, six round pick that could be a five if he plays fifty percent. Right. Yep. If he plays fifty percent of the snaps. And so we could talk about it from the Eagles perspective, but the interesting part to me is the Jacksonville side of things. And they split first team reps, Minshew and Lawrence. They, they had a legit whether it was legit wow. or not, they they split those reps in camp between Minshew and Lawrence. And it ends with them shipping him off for a late day three pick, which fascinates me on so many levels because I think Minshew has played reasonably well in the NFL, and there should be a a bit more of a market and demand for a guy that can bring that to the table. But I have questions about unnecessarily taking reps away from Trevor Lawrence when this was never a competition to begin with. This was the number one overall pick with a rookie head coach 
and a young rebuilding team. Trevor Lawrence was always going to be the starter. Was this a strategy by Jacksonville to maximize the value of Garner Minshew? Perhaps, but did they? I mean, I I definitely think they could have gotten more than a conditional six, but that's the problem with any time you have an incumbent quarterback and you make that early selection and that guy is still in-house and on the roster, you've declared your intentions. Your leverage is gone. You could have held on to Gardner Minshew and waited until somebody's quarterback got hurt, heaven forbid, and maybe then you get the panic buy, right, uh, in – you know, the spirit of my auction mock draft that or my auction draft for fantasy that took place over the weekend, the panic buys, it happens all the time in these fantasy drafts, right? They either get a run on a position or, you know, everybody else has money and uh, there's only one RB one left in the hat. So you overpay for it because you, you gotta have that guy. You gotta have an option there. And that that's the real life application of that. So, there were ways for them, I think, to get better value. But I think at the end of the day, it was, let's let's just be done with this. It's kind of what it felt like, right? It's like, we okay, we've milked this as long as we can. We don't want to have, we don't want to deal with this going into the regular season. It's Trevor's show. We named him the starting quarterback. We're done. Let's just get what we can, cut our losses. So here's the fascinating layer to this, and I tweeted this out, and I'm anxious to kind of hear what you guys think about this. When you look at three quarterbacks that changed teams this offseason, if you will, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gardner Minshew gets traded for a six. Yep. Mitchell Trubisky signs one year, two and a half million dollars to be Josh Allen's backup. Sam Darnold goes for a two, a four, and a six. And I think pretty clearly in terms of the way they've performed on the field for their career, Darnold's been the worst one. Now, I understand that he's got he's former number three pick, and there's this belief that Adam Gase probably limited him, and he had a really bad situation in New York. But we have a large, large discrepancy between what it took for these three players to go to new teams. Yeah, no question. Um, and I... I out of the three, probably most rather have Minshew. If I'm being honest, Minshew's the highest rate for career passer rating. Minshew 93, Trubisky 87, Darnold 78.6. Right. And <laughs> I don't know. It's it's not like Minshew's doesn't have some level of physical tools to work with either. He's quick in the pocket. He can get outside the pocket. He can extend plays. He's had some opportunities to push the ball down the field, not with consistency, and I get that. I don't know. If you were going to give me all three options, I'm I'm taking the the more productive player for the cheap <laughs> the cheapest cost. I don't think that there's a statistical measurement of a quarterback that would tell you in some way that Darnold's been the best of these three. Probably not. So I, 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 I'm, I'm paying attention to my mentions all weekend because this tweet blew up and, and you have a large amount of people that are Jets fans and they're, you know, praising Joe Douglas for being able to pull this off. Right. And I think it is pretty impressive when you look at that and you think about what he got for Jamal Adams, a couple of mm-hmm. first round picks for a safety, like some really good trades happening here. And then there's this this group of people that say, 
Well, Sam Darnold's by far the most talented of those. Is he? He has, the best, he? he has the best reputation, and he was the most highly regarded when he was a high school recruit. That's that's the divide. Dude, Darnold's still like that Rose Bowl performance. Live it has, Oh, my God. It's unbelievable how much that one game has done for Sam Darnold. Well, and I'm and not saying he can't turn it around and be a good quarterback for the Panthers. But let's be honest, for a lot of a lot of people, obviously the Jets being in the New York market, there's a lot of eyeballs. But if you're if you're a fan out in the Midwest, right? The Jets aren't playing a lot of prime time. How much of Sam Darnold have you legitimately seen in the NFL? versus the Rose Bowl versus Penn State in an all-time classic game. That performance is probably the most prevalent memory that anybody's had of Sam Darnold, other than the graphic of him having mono. Yeah, and or ghosts in the pocket. And seeing and all ghosts. That. Yeah. Dude, I have a hard time with it. Like, I just... I. I don't expect everything to always add up and it always to make sense, but that, that the discrepancy here is massive. And you have to ask yourself the question if you're Carolina, and I hate like I I feel like I dog on Carolina a lot on this podcast, and that's not true. Like they're probably my second favorite team, right? Like my wife likes them, and I want my wife to be happy with her football team, and I I want them to win games. But I, I am very honest about the way I feel about the things that they do. And so as much as we talk about the dis, this discrepancy. Carolina's the team that gave up the two, the four, and the six and didn't right. just sign Trubisky for, I mean, one year, two and a half million to be their starter or traded for Gardner Minshew. Like, I feel like the miscalculation here and, and the criticism for this probably goes to Carolina. They just yeah. didn't take the best course in, in my mind. Panic buy. It was a panic buy. We just got done yes. talking about how yeah. if the Jaguars wanted to, they could have got greedy and waited for a panic buy and got a better return on investment. The, the Carolina is an embodiment, right? They were all in, you know, when it was January and it was reported that Deshaun Watson was going to force his way out of Houston. Carolina, Clemson's right down the road. Let's bring <laughs> him home. We're all in. And as the allegations against Deshaun came out and were made public and then it became much more apparent. Oh, these are, this is very significant, right? We're not going to do this. What do they do? They panic because they are sitting eighth in the draft order because you brought in Teddy Bridgewater and signed Robbie Anderson and didn't trade back from the previous year's draft. So you have no extra draft picks in a very crowded market to find a quarterback. You panic and you overpay for Sam Darn. That's how it happens. Passed on Justin Fields. There you go. I, I, man, we'll see. We'll, this is all going to play out, and, and eventually Carolina's going to do something else or stick with Sam Darnold. Whatever. Like, it's going to play out, but, man, I can't help but feel and like there were op- some miscalculations along the way here. And there's there's an opportunity for us to be wrong. And, and Of course. We don't, we don't bat a 1,000, and maybe Sam Darnold does turn it around, and if he becomes a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, we're going to sound really dumb when sure. somebody comes back and pulls this soundbite, because <laughs> if you get a Pro Bowl quarterback for what they paid, it's it's no big deal, right? Like you, you stole him at that point. Sure. Yeah. Maybe not to the degree in which the Titans stole Ryan Tannehill in 2019. It was like a four and a six. And the Dolphins paid some of his salary. But nonetheless, <laughs> that's 
that can't be your expectation, right? That's the no. exception to the rule, not the rule on how it's going to work. That's the hope. That's got to be what Carolina's thinking, right? Yep. Just yep. Adam Gase just completely held this player back. So, do we want to get into anything else today? I know we're we're kind of at our, our cap here. This week's going to be crazy. We have roster cuts. We have big time football games. Like college football starts Thursday. It goes through Monday. Nonstop. Chris has something on his mind. He's been. I mean, guys, we got. I I know. I don't want to be negative to close the show, but Jamar Chase and the dropsies. I mean, first of all, I thought it was a. It was a little weird for me that they even bothered putting Joe Burrow in the game. Did you see the opening possession? For Cincinnati, like Zach Taylor literally told the broadcast team, Joe Burrow's going to play three plays. They handed the ball off twice and they ran a tunnel screen to Jamar, which Jamar dropped. Why even bother? <laughs> it's to make him take a snap. Is, I, I don't know. What man. is the point? Where, where are you on this? Himself. Like every time, what was it? No, not necessarily that, but what, sure, well, Jamar, because that's what Chris wants to get into. And I'm not trying to like, gloss over that but i'd also like your thoughts on just how every team kind of handled preseason differently with how they played their starters i mean nathan Mm -hmm. peterman took every snap for the raiders like Derek carr didn't need reps you know what i mean like with those all those new young receivers so what's your jamar and then just the handling of players and starters i mean we're we're, we're not pushing panic on jamar just yet right like he last played a game in january of 2020 and it shows. It's been like 18 months since he's played a competitive game, right? Am I a little fascinated to see how it plays out? Where when I did watch him on tape, I didn't think his separation skills were one of the, the his better qualities. And now he's struggling with separation in the NFL and now is struggling at the catch point. And he alligator armed a, a couple of balls <laughs> in what, the, the week two game where he had like three drops. It was the Washington game. I mean, he... Benjamin St. Juiced ate him up at the line of scrimmage in the red zone, and he alligator armed two balls over the middle. And he just he completely missed the nose of the ball against Miami. They ran the tunnel screen. Nick Needham ran through the block. So you heard the footsteps. He knew he had to get his eyes upfield, and like he he didn't even get his hands on the nose of the ball. So I'm not worried about the drops at this point, but I do think this has the potential to really snowball because of the expectations. And if you're going to force him the ball, he's going to be a productive fantasy player and that's fine. But I don't know if he's going to be more efficient until he gets more consistent at the other areas of the game, like creating separation, running routes, so on and so forth. Since he whiffs on another top 10 receiver, man. Well, they still got Higgins I, I, and Boyd, so that's the, that's the good. silver lining. Is everybody else was arguing to draft Sewell? Yeah, he's, he's looked, been bad. He's right. looked worse than Chase has, dude. He's Unreal. Been woefully inconsistent in the preseason. To answer your your final question, I understand teams wanting to to mitigate risk, right? Mm-hmm. But you still got to go out there in the practice field too. Right. And I understand from a quarterback's perspective, you're not going to get hit in practice, but you still have to be prepared. Do you remember last year? Who was it that played Navy? Oh, man. Um, yeah. Like, 
Navy didn't do a single padded practice before the game and lost by like 60 points. <sighs> BYU. It was BYU. Was it BYU? Yeah, you're BYU right. BYU right. ran roughshod all over those dudes. And that's a, a bit more of an extreme example when you consider how big BYU's offensive line is. They had the number two pick in the NFL draft at the quarterback position versus a service academy who runs the option. I get it. But at the same time, the tackling that game was woefully yep. bad. That's right. right. So yep. I, I, I do think there is some value to, and that's why I was really interested to see so many teams embraced layers of co-ed practices, not co-ed practices, but joint practices with other teams, right? Because that can kind of serve as a supplement in a safer environment than a game situation to get some contact and compete against other people and work on your technique and so on and so forth. So I guess quarterbacks is maybe one thing if you're a veteran quarterback, but I, man, I, I would have a real hard time skipping over the entire preseason before I put guys out there and just tell them to be ready to go week one. I know we obviously did it yeah. last year because we had to, but everybody did, but everybody yeah. did. Right. Yeah. Everybody damn well better hit subscribe on the draft dudes podcast. Listen, we also have our live stream tonight. The YouTube channel, The Draft Network, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We hope you plan accordingly and join us. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert, we will all be there. You're cordially invited, and you're also cordially invited to come back tomorrow, as Joe said, on the podcast. It is going to be a crazy week. We're going to be there for you every step of the way. So plan accordingly. Come back. See us again soon. Thanks, as always, for listening to Draft News Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Monday.